All right, well, uh, welcome to another episode of The Morning After. Pastor Josh here with Pastor Jim, as always. Good morning, and, Freedom Center. <laughs> or whoever else is listening to this. And, and everybody else <laughs> out there in Radio Land. And also uh, Pastor Jordan, who spoke yesterday. How's it going? Good morning. Good, good. Uh, so, um, Pastor Jordan, I don't know if you've ever heard the podcast before, but basically what we do is we go through uh, kind of the sermon the day before, um, ask you questions that maybe you weren't able to dive into because you only had a certain amount of time to preach. Um, but I think specifically after listening to you yesterday, what I want to hear a lot about is your testimony. Um, I think when people listen to our podcast, that's something that they really enjoy is hearing other people's testimonies. There's a lot of power in testimonies, obviously. And a few surprises um, too. You know, yeah. you're, you're sitting down with a PhD in theology who says, yeah, when I was doing that, right. I said at the punk rock club, you go, Are you what? Right. You know, there's a, there's a past here. And he says, yeah. you know, like I, I don't have a bachelor's degree, but I am now the, the, what the president yeah. of a university, like that's crazy. Or you came up yesterday and if you weren't here yesterday, um, powerful sermon, but got, saved in prison or? i did okay and it's my claim to fame yeah and i know you said that you you so i was in first service and you said that you had just a, a radical encounter with yeah. with jesus um but you didn't really explain like what that what that looked like i know you said you gave church one more one more chance and it didn't really turn out to be the way that you wanted it to um so you encountered god not in church then i guess is what I'm asking, or how did that how did that happen? I encountered God not in church. Okay. Yes, that's very okay. that's, that's a great okay. way to put it. <laughs> so, so what was it? What was yeah. were you looking at the sunrise one morning and just no bam, no there was, hit there was you no or? sunrise. Okay. Uh, you need windows right for sunrise. There was, yeah, there was no <laughs> windows <laughs> in prison. Yeah, so I mean the long and short the long and short of my story. <laughs> I, you know, I had mentioned just the the power of of um, you know really really uh, trying to live a life that people can see Christ in you. I. I, I tried to be nice because, you know, I don't know that even our own youth group would have been, uh, would have handled uh, somebody like me, you know what I mean, yeah, even yeah. any better than the youth group right. I showed up at did. Right. I, I don't know yeah. that it's fair, you know, to say that, but I know uh -huh. that in my heart I was, I was, uh, I was trying to figure out what this Jesus thing was about, you know, yeah. if there was hope, if there was life, if there was answers, if there was a way out of just the mess my life was in. Right. Um, so I was probably 16 years old then, you okay. know, went to a, went to a youth group at a, at a large church in our, in our city. Mm -hmm. And I kind of shared a little bit about that experience. Yeah. It was, it was not a good one. You know, right. I just did, did not find people that uh, wanted anything to do with me there. Had you grown up in the church before that? Or was that the first time you had ever stepped in a church? I had been in that church a little bit, okay. you know, prior to that off and on, we yeah. went to a different church. Okay. Um, and then after my parents divorced, we went to another church that had like a specific ministry for um, like mothers that went single moms, basically that it went through divorce. So yeah, this was kind of a, a church that had a ministry to those type of families. So we, mm -hmm. we were attending their youth group or whatever. And I just didn't want to go to church at all. My right. mom was going to that church and they were okay. helping her through it. Um, and so when I talked about kind of giving it one more chance, that, that, that was the church I went okay. to. So, so mm -hmm. last week, um, Pastor J, or I guess Dr. Mm -hmm. J.P. Dorsey, not Pastor J.P. Dorsey, he said that something that stuck with me that he said last week was even the kids that you're trying to reach when you don't feel like you're reaching them at all and they go and they do something stupid or they end up in prison like, like you did, um, there's still things that that stick seeds yeah yeah, yeah and i think that that's really interesting that um for pastors maybe listening to this that those kids that you're investing in that you think they're not getting this they're not getting this um i think they are and i think yeah. they're just waiting for that radical encounter but once that encounter happens then they have this whole bank of things that they already know yeah. that they 
that they wouldn't have if they're not in church. Right. So I think that's it's funny. It's huge. funny that you share that. So I, I actually just um, I just preached uh, at an event at a church that I went to as a as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't give my life to the Lord until I was eighteen years old. Right. Uh, or actually, I was nineteen years old. But um, there was a there was a church called Bethel Nazarene, um, okay. different church than the other one I was talking about. But Bethel Nazarene would pick me and my friends up. Uh, in the apartment complex we lived in, and they had a church bus, mm-hmm. and they would come grab. And we were, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were the kids that, man, you know, make the make the kids workers get gray hair in their twenties. You know what I mean? <laughs> <clears throat> but they would pick us up in the bus and bring us over there, and you know, we we do the VBS, we do the Bible school, and we we do all the stuff. Then they bring us home, you know, we tear up their church, and uh-huh. and uh, and and you know, they bring us home. But uh, it was so funny because I still. All those years later, you, you talk about the seeds that are planted. It's so yeah. true. I still remember the first Bible verse that I ever memorized. Okay. You know, what was it? Proverbs 3, 6. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, <laughs> lean not on your understanding. Right. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. quoted yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have been maybe seven. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like seven or yeah. eight years old when, right. and I, I still have those memories, you know, and it's so funny. Uh, a couple of the, n- none of us, what I would say, started living for God as kids, you know, and grew up in it. But many of those as a matter of fact, two of my staff people, or one of my staff people currently, and another um, another couple families, we all rode the Bethel Nazarene uh, bus together. Wow. And Don't then, you wish uh, you could go back in time and yeah. tell that 20-year-old with the gray hair, like, hey, man, yeah. I, it's going to be weird now, but I, you know, thank you so much for believing in yeah. what was invisible yeah. right, at the moment. Well, it's cool to be able to go back, and I actually spoke at the church later, and many of those okay. same people are there, you, you know, and they're right. like, we, you know, it's really hard for us to believe, you know, it's the same Jordan. But yeah. it was kind of cool to be able to go back and say, hey, you know, Thank you for right. investing in in the in the bus kids. Yeah, right. I asked uh, I asked JP the same question last week, but just curious, like after you have this radical encounter, um, you still know people that don't know that you've had this radical encounter. Mm-hmm. Did, what was that like? Like going back to your friends whenever you were. Um, you said yesterday you you were pretty hard into like heavy drugs, mm-hmm. so I assume you were hanging out with like a crowd that was doing something. Similar. So you've had this radical encounter and now all of a sudden you run into these people again. What is that? What is that like? Yeah. Well, well, I kind of skipped your first question. Let me back up just a little bit. Just take two seconds to say that. um, So basically my family blew up uh, because of divorce when I was like 14. And uh, I think all of um, my siblings, my family, we all handled it in different ways. You know, Mm -hmm. my my dad, he decided to, he was kind of the, the flighter, you know, my mom's always been a fighter. Yeah. And so my dad was the flighter. So, um, he kind of, you know, blipped off the map, got married again and, you know, has a family and, and we, we stay in touch a little bit. Okay. Um, my mom stayed, you know, right in the mix and raised us. I didn't deal with it very well. Uh, I dealt with it by kind of leaving home at an early age, got with some, you know, just the wrong group of people, a girlfriend whose dad was a drug dealer and it was just kind of downhill from there. Okay. And uh, so I started doing, um, selling drugs when I was a freshman in high school, okay. um, selling pot, you know, doing the party drugs. I, I kind of touched on that part of my story a little yeah. bit, but it escalated into, by the time I was 17 years old, I was trafficking meth for, a, um, uh, for local gangs, wow. uh, motorcycle gang. I was basically a drug mule for a, for a, a drug dealer in our city. Yeah. And so that was kind of like a mom to me. I lived with her and in, in kind of a sick way, it was... Right. You, you know, she's kind of like a surrogate mom. So, I mean, yeah. she, you know, genuinely, I, I mean, we, we stayed in touch until she passed away. Okay. She genuinely loved me in her own broken way. You know right. what I mean? But yeah. we kind of, um, I just sold, sold drugs for her and did drugs with her and, you know, lived with her and we kind of just, wow. 
had this weird relationship for a long time and we uh-huh. again we stayed in touch for years and years afterwards until right until uh, she passed away but anyway I ended up um, uh, there was a, a lady who you know wore wire and I had a grand jury indictment okay. and just the whole thing you know kind of blew up in my face when I was 18 years old right wow and you were a mule because you were a minor really I mean that the you, you do those felonious things but they can right. only keep you in jail you're 18. But yeah. that continued into your adulthood, which it did. It's a whole yeah. different world. So I'd been in and out of jail even as a even as a child. So uh-huh. uh, I was in juvie. I, I spent probably a year and a half of my uh, juvenile life just in and out of juvie. I think the longest I did was six months. Okay. Um, you know, then probation, and they'd you know find a bunch of pills and meth and everything in my room, and you, right. you know what I mean. And then I left home and and I kind of like lived on the streets, you know, in different yeah. drug houses. This is when I lived with this lady. Her name was Kelly, and. Uh, she passed away about a year and a half ago, um, but a lady that uh, she was a drug dealer and a drug addict, but in her own you know very broken way, I, I really did love her and and, yeah. uh, and she loved me and there was a few kids that she kind of viewed as you know her kids and right. Um, but we were all drug addicts and we, we got our drugs from mom, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, right, and right. she had a lot of them, you know yeah. what I mean? So, the Brady so yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was a romantic really storybook. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, we would basically, I was a drug dealer, you know, yeah. drop large amounts of drugs off at random places and, you know, traveled the streets of Nampa, Boise, Homedale, Caldwell, and, you know, just selling drugs, sporting wow. a drug habit. Okay. But when I was, uh, when I was 18 years old, um, about 18 and a half, uh, there was a lady who her daughter got caught with meth and instead of her daughter going to jail, she said, well, what if I, you know, buy drugs for my drug dealer and wear a wire? And they said, okay, well that'll work. So anyway, that happened and I was on the run for a little while and they finally, you know, caught up with me. Right. And I went to Ada County jail waiting to kind of go process the charges and, you know, they ship you off to wherever you're going to go after that. And it was in Ada County jail. Um, first I went to the hospital, spent a couple weeks there detoxing and yeah. my life was just really messed up and treating me medication and but when I landed in jail, um, they put me in what's called the MCU. So it's like a medium security unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you get out for an hour a day to, you know, make a phone call, whatever, walk. And the rest right. of the day, you're in a jail cell with three other dudes. So when people come in to do ministry, it's like, okay, I didn't want to go to church. But, you know, more than I didn't want to go to church, I didn't want to be in this jail cell with these three other smelly <laughs> dudes, you know. So yeah. um, you'll take any opportunity you can to get out of your jail cell. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that I don't even know who these guys were. I mean, they were some older gentlemen that just loved guys that were incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And so they came in. I, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm getting out of here, you know. So when it sat down, I'll never forget. They had this little boom box and had a duct tape back on it to keep the batteries on. You know what I mean? It was, it was epic. But uh, they did this little Bible study and they'd hit play and they'd sing, you know. And I'm, and I didn't want to be a part of this group at all. So I just kind of pushed my chair back and I'm sitting, you know, probably 10 feet removed from this circle and they're playing this song and they're singing this song. And, uh, I, it's hard to even explain, you know, what happened. I just remember like breaking, um, and I'm, no I'm crying and, you know, I'm trying not to show that I'm crying, you know, I'm trying yeah. to be hard and it's just allergies, you know, right. dust or whatever. <laughs> And I'm I'll allergic never for- to old men with with, with boomboxes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, I'm not just not sure what's going on with me. And so I'll never forget this older gentleman walks up to me and he looks me in the face and you know I'm trying to you know not make eye contact and see that I'm crying and he mm-hmm. says uh, he says God's doing something significant in your life. Wow. Mm-hmm. One of the other inmates. No, this was one of the leaders of the Bible study. Oh, whatever, okay, all right. That that walked over to me and. Uh, so I, I went back to my jail cell um, that night and just my heart still kind of stirred. I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I start having these really radical encounters with God mm-hmm. where the same thing happens. This, mm-hmm. um, 
just, I don't know any other way to explain it except God would come for me and my, my heart would break and I'm crying and I'm not sure what's going on. And so yeah. I thought maybe I could read this Bible. My grandparents mailed me in here, you know what I mean? Right. So I'd open this book and no matter where I opened this book to, I couldn't get a paragraph in, you know what I mean? Before yeah. something would rock me to my core. And it wasn't just like I was reading something, but that there right. was a voice behind the words, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. That uh, was more than a word. It was a promise. Wow. And um, it was probably three days after that, um, those things, these things started to happen that uh, a little, a little chaplain, a little motorcycle chaplain rode a Harley and had a motorcycle ministry, came in <laughs> to see me in jail. And he was about four foot nothing. Uh, his name's Rick Rickenhagen. And he's, he's half the size of you then, right? Oh, he is, he is at least <laughs> he less. You, he looked you right in the belly button and told you <laughs> Jesus loved me right in the yeah. belly button. He's still in our church today. He's an amazing guy. He's been a missionary awesome. for over 50 years. Wow. And uh, he told me about Jesus and I just snapped. Yeah. And um, accepted Christ that day wow. uh, through glass in Ada County Jail. Okay. And uh, the rest is a long story, but that kind of sums up how I right. ended up really surrendering my life awesome. to Christ. Um, so let me ask you this. And uh, I didn't tell you the questions in advance. I'm kind of coming up with them as we talk. Um, but our community, as, as well as a lot of other communities, we've, we've lost too many kids in our schools to mm. drug overdoses, uh, methamphetamines, heroin, things like that. Um, I've heard they're some of the most addictive things in the whole world. I thankfully have never done anything like that before. Um, how did you get clean? How did you stay clean? Um, I think there's people out there that are listening mm. to this that might be going through something like that. Yeah. And uh, I've heard it's just hard, like really hard. You know, yeah. you, you're shivering, you're, you're vomiting. Like how, yeah. how did you do it? And how do you continue to do it, I guess? Yeah. Well, um, I would say there's two things that I really, um, when I work with people coming out of addiction, um, there's two things I really focus on. One is practical and um, one is, is really profoundly spiritual. Okay. And the, the first practical one is um, I never would have made it if I didn't change my tribe. Yeah. And so I, I think the family of God is so important because it, it, it's, it's vital when you're coming out. You'll become like the people that you're around. Right. You know, we're, we, were, we were wired from the creator to be you know, influenced by the people yeah. around us you know, and to influence yep. others. And so um, I, I tell people, Amanda and I's story is, you know, we both came out of this together. And it's, it's pretty wild, you know, story for another day. But I had you know, op open visions of the demonic realm around me while I was living that life. I, I had an angel visitation like, my story is pretty crazy, right. you know, but, but after all the supernatural and all that stuff, I still don't believe I would have been able to walk out of that life had I not changed the people I was around. Right. And so I made a, if you know me, you know, I'm pretty extreme when I do something, man, I'm, okay. I'm all in, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. So I, I had this, I made this decision and I just decided I wasn't going to ever be around those people that was, I, I changed my whole social circle. Yeah. I mean, I burned every bridge and I caution people, don't do it like I did. Like I called people and cussed them out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't ever call me again. You no, right. you're a loser and I'm, right. I'm tired of being a loser. Yeah. Like, like that type of stuff. You know, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but right. it was kind of like that. I had a guy like slash my tire. Some people threatened to kill me. Like yeah. Yeah, I was a drug well, dealer. Right. Yeah, I was a well-known like, drug dealer in a community. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. people were found out I was out of jail. They're like, Hey man, you know, I need some drugs or whatever. So uh -huh. I kind of burned every bridge, changed my number. And we didn't have any friends for like a year. Wow. And uh, it was just really my wife and I, okay. and, um, Oh, you were married at the time. Well, I think we were married at that time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're doing it right now. We didn't start well. Let's right. put it that way. Uh, we started <laughs> we can, the best we knew how. We can censor this. We can censor yeah. this. Okay. 
people that aren't from the the Northwest, there there are different laws out yeah, there, sure. yeah. mostly applying to the the Mormon folk. But right. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes the, the the recently born again folk as well. So. Yeah. So we were dating uh, early on. We got married about six months after that. Okay. Um, but we were together. You know, really yeah. as soon as I got out of jail. So my wife and I, we we started our journey together. We mm-hmm. went after the Lord together. We were baptized together, yeah. um, and we changed our life together. So we really burned right. every bridge, started over relationally. So I always like to say this: that you become like the people that you're around, yeah. and so. Um, we had somebody give us some wisdom and just say, listen, hey, you'll be like the people you surround yourself with in five years. And I, I made a decision that I, I didn't want to be what I was anymore. Right. So we turned over every relationship, burned every bridge, like I said, even in an extreme way. But mm-hmm. we were basically alone for a year while we rebuilt relationships. And there's kind of yeah. that journey, I think, where you're not who you used to be, but uh-huh. you're not who you want to be. And right. it's that awkward season in the middle. I like to call it the hallway. And, it, and it's lonely in the hallway. Or the yeah. wilderness, right? Or, or the, stuff, yeah. stuff goes to die. There you yeah, go, right. the, the wilderness. Um, but you're making that journey from who you were to who you want to be. And you have to be willing to, I think, navigate that season. A lot of people come into the church and they say, you, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't resonate with anyone here. And it's like, but listen, you don't like who you are and you don't like what you've become. And I always right. tell people, was it comfortable the first bar you went into and got trashed? Did you feel great about it? No. Right. Were you comfortable in the first drug house you went to? No, but you stuck it out, didn't you? Right. And, you made, and, you made, and you made friends, didn't you? Yeah. And I can't even tell That's you how good. many people I've looked in the eyeballs and said, what if you gave God the same chance you gave the devil? Yeah. yeah. It's good yeah. What if you gave God the same chance you gave the devil? If you'll give God a year of your life and journey through that wilderness, or I call it the hallway, you know, yeah. if you're willing yeah. to walk the hallway out of who you were and into who God's making you to be, if you're willing to be lonely for that season and rebuild relationships with people you're not 100% comfortable with, it will transform your life. Yeah. You won't make it out of that old life if you're surrounded by people that are still living there. Right. That's the, good. The, the other side of that, I would say, is you have to be willing to, to live in who God's made you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you believe that you're going to go back to stuff, you'll go back to stuff. If right. you believe that you're still a drug addict, this is why I don't like the 12 step NA yeah. stuff because you, know, you sit down with a bunch of other people and the very first thing you do is you sit down and you say, hi, I'm Jordan and I'm a drug addict. Right. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. but here's the thing is I'm not a drug addict anymore. Yeah. So people say, well, how have you, how have you dealt with recovery for, you know, 13 years or whatever? I'm like, I'm not in recovery. That's you good. know what I mean? I'm not that Jordan anymore. Right. So you're addressing me based on someone I'm not anymore. Right. I don't struggle with addiction. I, yeah. I don't struggle with that a t- a temptation in that. Like it's as foreign to me now as, as it would have been before I ever tried it. You, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's nothing in me that wants to be that anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I just try to tell people like you, you, the Bible says whom the sun sets free is free. And so you might have a thought that says, um, man, you know, what if I'm this or what if, you know, what if I'm going to go back to this? And I just thought you have to go through a process where you're removing this concept of I'm in recovery to I'm a new creation. Yeah. And that's not, it's not even in your nature anymore. And so whatever thought you're feeling, it has no power to actually drag you back into it. Right. And so I would sit down with people and say, listen, you, you've now been born again. If you get high again, it's going to be because you chose to, right. not because this, this term the society has coined as a, as a disease. disease. Your addiction yeah. drug you back into it. That's a right. lie from the pit of hell. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a destructive what, one, too. Yeah. I, if I catch a cold, it's not my fault. Yeah, it, right. If I put a bottle up to my lips, it is my fault. It's sure. my responsibility. It, yeah. no, one, no one chugged it down my throat. I, one of the things we were doing for a long time was that school assembly, and they started inter- introducing this language of it's, it's, you have no personal responsibility for your addictions because it was a genetic mm. 
you know, right. inheritance from previous generations. Like, wow, you're just condemning these kids, removing all responsibility yeah. as if, you know, genetically their dead great-grandfather's putting a bottle up to their lips or a needle in their arm. Like, that's yeah. absolutely not true. Right. And I think we're trying to make it so inclusive. Don't feel bad about yourself. It's not true. your fault. It's a disease. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if I catch a cold, it's not my fault. It's right. a disease. Right. But if I stick a needle in my arm, that's a conscious, that's a right. series of conscious actions yes. and thoughts you have to take responsible for. Right. Well, like Pastor Adam, I don't know if he came up with this or not, but he always says, you know, you're not a, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint walking in Grace. It's the same, yeah. the same thing. I'm no longer a drug addict. I, that's yeah. what I was, but I no longer yeah. am that as soon as and I like make Pastor that Jordan saying in that culture, if you were to say, my name's Jim and, I, and I'm not an alcoholic because of the grace of God, they say, well, hey, you know, choose your higher power. It's okay. But the language we use here is sure. because, we, again, we don't want people to feel like like the struggle needs to be over or they're failing. And I get I get the psychology of it, but you're missing the miraculous power of God to deliver people, yeah. you know? You know, you're missing the spiritual reality of who you are today. Right. And I think if you don't live with that mindset that I'm not somebody that's bound by sin, you know, we've been delivered from the power of sin. And mm-hmm. so the people that don't make it are the people that really believe that their addiction yeah. is stronger than their new reality. Right. It's and that so, orphan mindset. Yeah. It's, it's their identity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the identity is I'm, you know, my name is Jim and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Hi, Jim. And now I'm accepted. I'm normal. I'm right. I'm okay, you're okay, and we have a struggle in common. And You're believing a lie that you're never going to get better. Yeah. You're always going to be dealing with this, and it's just... Yeah, we say, hey, my name's Jim, and I, I, you know, I voted for Hillary. Like, nobody does that. You know what I mean? No, right. one, no one associates their identity with a behavior. Right. You know, you know I mean, maybe eventually we'll say, so what do you do for a living? And we'll try to kind of categorize people. But yeah. you never introduce yourself as, hi, my name's Jim, and my median income for this year is... You know, you'd never... <laughs> there's no yeah. other indicator in society. Yeah. Hi, my name's Jim, and I'm a Christian. Not many people... Yeah. I think that's a good way to introduce the conversation. So, yeah. so my my identity is wrapped around this thing that's trying to kill me. Yeah. It's such a terrible idea. You know? Yeah. Let yeah. me ask you, uh, uh, Pastor Jim, um, or Dad, whatever one you want to go. Pastor Dad's Pastor, fine. Pastor we'll Dad. combine the two. Yeah. Okay. Um, similar story. I, for people that don't know your testimony, you got into drugs and alcohol. Pretty similar to Jordan, minus the prison part. You became a cop. Yeah, instead. I didn't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no girls with wires in my right. life, which was nice. Right. <laughs> I don't think they had them back then. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. There were just people with, with the, you know, chalk and right. blackboard writing <laughs> what it was said. Um, but no, you tried Smart. to get out of it a couple of times. Yeah. And you, it took you a couple of times before you got out of it for good. Was yeah. that the same thing? Just you, you were surrounded, you didn't get out of that community. You were still involved in that community. And yeah. then you finally, the last time was just like, it's funny. I, I, I didn't go to prison, but I went in the military, which yeah. have some real similar things. And, and then <laughs> it's, 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 the it's, right? it's a mandatory <laughs> yeah. thing. Every, if, if there is authority in the room, you don't have it. Yeah. Um, there's a culture underneath the authority. Certain things are applauded and rewarded and certain things are really, you know, beaten on. So there's there's a lot of similarities between military service and and serving time in prison. Just one's voluntary, one's involuntary. But even though you start a voluntary, it's not it's not always voluntary. Once right. you get in, that drill sergeant gets in your face. It's not like you know I want to do this. You, you're right. just like oh why did I do this? Why am I here? I made a mistake. Yeah. So yeah, the the culture was if you know real men do this, real men get hammered, real men go to bars, real men whatever. So. Um, I didn't go to bars to be a real man or to be accepted or to have friends. I went to bars because I was miserable. I, I, yeah. You know, one of the things we don't talk a lot about is, is what people do with drugs and alcohol. There's pain and they're, right. they're dealing with pain. They're, they're yeah. self-medicating. They're, so I'm lonely and there's people in a bar. I'm bored and there's yep. lights and, you know, sound and, and, and like you're saying, the family, you, the, yeah. you know, the, you're a drug mule for your mother, if you will. You yeah. know, I mean, someone who's emotionally played that role. 
you know, we were we were brothers, and we were all doing what we were doing, and it was ridiculous. Right. But I, when I found Jesus, really, what delivered me from alcohol was everything I was looking for in in the, at the bottom of that bottle. Mm-hmm. I, I found in Jesus. So that that amazing, overwhelming dopamine rush. You know, yeah. if you're talking about the physiology of it. When I found God, I found His love. Not not doctrine. Not you know. Not even like a savior in some sort of mathematical. You know. Yeah. You know, Jim, take away Jesus is you know bad. Jim plus Jesus is good. It was just I was finally loved. I was finally not the youngest fat kid pick glass and kickball mm-hmm. with the glasses with the you know what I mean. I was right. finally this. Someone really gave me my value. So why go back to those things that were counterfeits when yeah. when you had the original? So if I offered you a you know, an old cold hot dog and a hot filet mignon, you take the filet mignon, it's just better. So, yeah. you know, the reason I don't drink today is Jesus is just better than anything yeah. I found out there, you know, in that right. bottle, in that world. And it's funny how God, re- you know, replaced the brothers with new brothers and mothers with new mothers and, you know, yeah. friends with new friends. Just right. And I love that. What's that statement you said? If you give God the same chance you gave the devil, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, it was inescapable. I was so lonely and so miserable and so alone that I, when yep. I found God and I found a church and I found friends, and I found family and scripture and promises. Right. I just why would you ever go back? But yeah, I, I failed a few times because I didn't have that. All I wanted to yeah. do was quit drinking. Community is a powerful thing. When, it when is. You finally get involved into a community. Yeah. You're finally accepted as who you are. That's a, yeah. a big deal. I think the, the closest thing to the non-addicted people that are listening, it would be like food. If all of a sudden food. Yeah. Was was no longer the right thing. All you're allowed to do is right. eat saltine crackers and water. You or would air. find yourself, yeah, but you'd find yourself cheating. You'd find yourself you yeah. that hunger for I right. want to so badly. And then if anybody's eating a Big Mac around you, you just want a bite of it. And then once you take a bite of it, it's over with. You yeah. might as well take three Big Macs and stuff them down your throat. It's there's something very satisfying when you're an addict about about that that moment where you you satisfy. And then but then there's this this length of shame and broken relationship and right. you know and then you wake up. You get you get hammered because you have problems. You wake up and you're not hammered anymore, and you just doubled your problems. That's yeah. that's the insanity of addiction. Yeah, welcome it's, to the cycle. Yeah, it's it's this it's this beautiful moment that lasts very short and pain that lasts very long. So yeah, somebody goes, well, why don't addicts just quit? It's like, well, just quit breathing for a while, see how you feel. You know, just right. just quit eating for a while, see how you feel. There's there's a physiological, right. emotional connection to this stuff. But and, when there's something there that takes that replaces that that yeah. feeling that high. And like you're saying, you yeah. you don't need it anymore. Yeah, you, know? you don't want it anymore. Right. I, I'll say with Jordan, same thing. Yeah. 13 years, 30 years for me of sobriety. Right. I, I was coming back from Italy, traveling alone, which is rare for me. Uh-huh. Found out my father had died in a nursing home. Uh, I've got like a six-hour layover. There's bars everywhere in an airport. Everybody's drinking. And I felt absolutely no temptation to yeah. to soothe my pain. I called your mom and right. just said, hey, you know, my dad passed away. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry. And we talked and prayed. I found a spot and laid on the floor and asked Jesus to heal my heart and, yeah. you know, and give me comfort for my family members. And But I, it right. occurred to me later, because mom actually said, are you, are you okay? You're traveling alone. Yeah. And there's bars everywhere. I said, you know, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about it, you know. <laughs> right. Thanks for bringing so, that yeah, up. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Planting the seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. There's no, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I, and. Those are the things. I'm I'm unaccountable. I'm in a strange place. I'm completely exhausted. I'm emotionally broken. Now, what are you going to turn to? And the obvious answer was the comfort of God. It wasn't like the comfort of Jack or Beam or, you know what I mean? It was was God. The funny thing to me is, you know, especially people that have never 
I think the greatest testimony is, you know, you surrender your life to Jesus at a young age and you live for God all your life. To me, yeah. that's the greatest testimony a person can have. I've had so many people, I wish I had your testimony. I'm oh, like, no, no, you, you don't. don't. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know. <laughs> wish I used to put a needle in my arm, you know what I mean? That's so crazy. Like, I wish I had your story and I yeah. pray that my children, you know, are going to have your story. Right. But um, I think if you're, if, you're, if you're somebody out there that maybe doesn't resonate, uh, you know, with this idea of addiction, just realize that people are not, People are not, it's a lie that people are content and loving their sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. just, they're out there just living it up. You know what I mean? Having this great life, you know, and we're over right. here loving Jesus. Like it's subpar or something. Right. Yeah. Like we're making sacrifices. I, I remember just before I was actually with Amanda, who's my wife, mm-hmm. um, just before my whole life blew up the moment where, you know, I was caught and arrested and the whole thing cycled into me accepting Christ. And then, you know, a, mm-hmm. a long story after that. But I'll never forget, I was at the end of my rope. I'd, I was strung out so bad. I'd been high for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amanda and I were together, and I actually said these words that I, I didn't even know it, but they were really kind of prophetic in a way. And I, I told Amanda, I said, I am so tired you know, of, of living this life. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. I was brave enough to end my life, I probably would have. You know what wow. I mean? I just yeah. didn't want to live anymore. And, I, and right. I actually told her this. I felt like my life was so messed up, so destroyed. I said, I wish there was a way I could just like be born all over again. Wow. I actually told that to Amanda. It's, wow. And yeah. it was like a week later, you, you yeah. know what I mean? That, that I was born again. God, here's so prayer. Good. Yeah. yeah. And so, so um, I just think when we're, when we're praying for people and we're believing, you know, for people to come to know Christ, to realize that Jesus is not subpar. Yeah. It's not a subculture. It's the kingdom culture. Yep. And there's no better way. That's God's plan A for living our life. And so when we pray God's for plan. people. What's that? God's plan. That's the name of the series. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, man, it's, it's yeah. just, it's the plan. Yeah. So, I mean, when we pray for people, you know, that you know, Jesus is better. I love that, Pastor Jim, that yeah. Jesus is better than, than the other stuff. And right. Yeah. We're not offering something less than, you know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're offering the best of. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, unfortunately, the world sees religion. And they, and they, like yep. you're saying, it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. It's like, what, right. are, you, what are you even focusing on that for? Like, yeah. what, what if I had a guy the other day say, you know, I've got this problem with my mouth. I cuss a lot, you know? So how, how much cussing is too much cussing, preacher? Tell me. <laughs> so I'll, I want to find the right line so I'm not in touch with God. And I said, well, uh-huh. what, if, what if instead of saying how much this way is too far before I'm in trouble, what if we just said, what are, what's, the, what's the purpose of words? What if words before the fall were for creation blessing and setting an order and you used your words for creation blessing and setting an order right and then we didn't even focus on the cussing he said you know i never thought about that there's yeah. a there's a higher purpose for words than be careful don't use these right. you know, the seven dirty words you can't say on television yeah you know uh, unless you're really mad at your kids then it's okay sort of thing <laughs> like what what if you what if you just focus on what words were for i think if we focus on what we're supposed to be doing the other stuff naturally falls off when yeah. we're pursuing christ we absolutely. do leave things behind there's there's no escaping it right absolutely all right. Well, I think we're up against the clock, but I think that's uh, that was great, guys. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Pastor Jordan, don't be a stranger. Definitely come back to uh, I say in again. the feedback section, can we say how many of you guys want Pastor Jordan to come back? Yeah. And raise yeah. If their you guys, hand, if you guys hand enjoyed Pastor Jordan, feel free to comment. Let us know. Yeah. Um, we'll be sure that if you do have something to say to him, we'll make sure that it gets back to him one one way or another so we had people yesterday that were commenting on instagram saying what's this guy's instagram name i want to make sure that i follow him on instagram so i had to search you and find you but it was so great being with you guys yeah thank you very much all right we'll be back next week thank you very much for listening uh freedom center whoever else is listening to this we'll be back next week pastor carl is speaking he is yeah Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a good week my Samoan friend yes so he will be on the podcast with me myself and uh, hopefully pastor jim he might be 
uh, I will have to be on the podcast. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it yeah. out. You'll be on the podcast. So. <laughs> have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week.